Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by a wonderful company, Creation to Revelation. This group of Christians believe it is extremely important that we teach the Word of God to our kids. They have original graphic illustrations from the beginning of the Bible to the end, featuring the beautiful and consistent presence of Jesus throughout. You can explore all of that at creationtorevelation.com. I'm so thankful you're here, so let's get started. Hey, welcome. I'm really glad you've joined today. I'm super excited about the content, but I feel like I need to put a disclaimer here at the beginning. There are two kinds of people in the world. There are people who have made the decision to become Christians, and there are people who have not yet made the decision to become Christians. Today's ideas and applications are for that first group. If you have put on a relationship with Jesus, there are some crucial things you need to grow to understand about that relationship. If you are not yet a child of God, if you have not yet obeyed the gospel, The koinonia concepts of today may not be real in your life just yet, but I do hope that you openly welcome them as a part of your future. I have titled today's episode, In the Body. It is about what it specifically means for you if you have submitted your life to Christ and been, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, baptized into the one body. Certainly, Scripture teaches that you have entered into a relationship with God, but it is not just with God. You say, well, I've also entered into a relationship with Jesus, true, and the Holy Spirit, but not just with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. There is common and unmistakable imagery in the New Testament that says that Jesus is the head of the body, and the body is his church. When I am baptized into a relationship with Christ, I am added as a part of his body. I become a part of something that is greater than myself. I agree to become a contributor to something that is outside of me and my own body. Look, there's this false idea that I'm sure has been around for a really long time, but it seems even more apparent in the post-COVID age. This idea that if I am a Christian, I am connected to the Lord, and that is all that matters. Maybe I go to church, maybe I don't go to church. Maybe I take care of fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe I don't see very many brothers or sisters in Christ. If I get an opportunity to make a difference, I'll try to seize upon it, but it's not fundamentally a part of who I need to be or the purpose for which God saved me. But this is where the imagery is so potent. Imagine that you are a finger. If you're a humble person in the body of Christ, you could say you're a pinky finger. Jesus is the head. He leads. He is the brains of the operation. But when you became a Christian, however long ago it was, it's not like you were a pinky that was grafted to the back of his head, where it's just you and him, and he directs you, and you follow him. Instead, you became a part of his body. Between him and you is a neck and a shoulder, an arm, and a hand, and you are a finger connected to that hand. The only way you and I can serve the head is by functioning properly within the body. Other parts of the body, multiple parts of the body, will engage so that I can carry out an important function. And oftentimes, whatever part I might be, I am engaged 
by the head so that I can assist other parts of the body in carrying out their function or engage them in some necessary way. I mentioned to you last week, we had this great series, the Koinonia series taught by Ralph Walker. Koinonia is the Bible word for fellowship, sharing, partnership. It is used frequently with reference to the relationship between Christians, shared responsibility between Christians in the name of Christ. He talked a lot about the body, probably the most vivid of which is when you stub your toe. Your brain knows when you stub your toe, but what the brain does is instinctively and immediately puts multiple parts of the body into action for the toe's benefit. Your leg brings the toe up towards your midsection where your hands can grab your foot and embrace it tightly and begin to help to assess the situation and alleviate the pain. I guess maybe it's fair to say in Christ, sometimes you're that toe and sometimes you're the hand. Sometimes you're the one in pain and Christ engages others among his fellowship to come to your aid. But then, of course, it ought to be obvious that at other times you see that you are the hand the one being enlisted to play a part. The head simply cannot carry out what he wishes without the body doing his work, and that body consists of multiple pieces. If you are a Christian, you are one of those pieces. You are a special and important piece. He has added you for a purpose. Your skills, as we'll talk about today, may be unique to other parts of the body, but I want you to begin to see your value in what you contribute to the benefit of the whole. Now, doesn't that sound incredibly different than some of the modern ideas of Christianity? The concept that it's not important if I go to church or worship with Christians or spend time around believers, so long as I read the word and believe in God and help some neighbor along the way, I will be carrying out God's will for my life. I guess that would be true if you weren't a part of the body if you'd been baptized into something else. And I guess that's the most critical thing that Ralph accomplished for us last week, is identifying our purpose by the value that we contribute to the walk of fellow believers. He really reminded me of something that I guess just over the years I started to forget. We have put a lot of emphasis at the Lindell Church on honoring God and obeying God and serving Jesus, and then looking out into the world and serving and loving your neighbor. After all, those are the two great commandments, to love God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. And neighbor is nondescript. It's anyone God puts in your path. We've talked about in Matthew 25 that it just might be on the judgment day that Jesus says, let's just look at the way you served your neighbor. I will determine if you enter heaven based on who was sick or hurting or in need and you supplied that need. And we have used passages like that to engage more readily and daily in serving people who are not Christians wherever we may find them. Look, I think the results have been good. Evangelistically, they have been good. And I'm not saying anything negative about that. But I think sometimes you and I need to remember that our work in the Lord is like a series of concentric circles. There are things at the very center, like loving God and keeping his commandments that are paramount. But how does it hit you if I say that the circle immediately after that is serving Christians in the body. It is probable that when Jesus in Matthew 25 talked about the judgment day and how he would look at those who were imprisoned and those who were hungry, that he was actually talking about disciples of his who had been imprisoned for the faith or 
faced difficult persecution of other types. At the very least, you would say that's where it all started. You might chime in with Galatians 6.10. Do good to all men, but especially of the household of faith. And by the way, that's another piece of imagery that works very well. If you don't love the body imagery, how about the family concept? When you became a Christian, you were adopted into the family of God. That family is not just God the Father and Jesus your older brother. That family includes every other brother or sister in Christ who is in a relationship with the Lord. Do good to everyone that you meet. Fulfill your purpose. But Jesus set his brothers and sisters aside to take care of the needs of one another. If there is one thing all Christians could seize upon today, it is understanding that that is among your most primary of purposes. I mean, Jesus didn't promise everyone everywhere that they would have brothers and sisters and farms and houses and support. He promised that to the people who followed him. Certainly, Jesus destroys any idea where I can say, look, I'm in a good relationship with God. I have a lot going on right now. I watch some sermons online. I try to be nice to my neighbor, and that's pretty much what he saved me to be. If I thought that and Jesus came to visit me, he would say, Chris, listen up. I made a promise to my followers that they would be supported, that they would be heard and helped and encouraged, and I saved you to help me do that. He might follow with, Chris, you and I did not enter some private partnership. Instead, by grace and great expectation, I added you to my body of believers. So if you've followed me so far, I want to get more practical on the back end of this lesson, including some really cool things from Ralph about spiritual gifts that you've been given. I had a chance to go through some of this with a room full of high school students the other day, and I love their answers about why God has gifted them with abilities and how those abilities were primarily designed to make the body function better. I'll give you some of Ralph's thoughts and some of their answers in a moment. But before we do that, let me talk about two words. I almost titled this episode, not in the body, but consumer versus contributor. Now, this is a slight variation of a phrase that a lot of us preachers were using in the first days post-COVID to try to get people back engaged to open their homes and come back to church. I think we used the term, are you a consumer or a producer? We were trying to get people to see that if they have no relationship with God's people other than watching services online, then all they were really doing was consuming what they felt like they needed. This was true pre-COVID, of course, by people who didn't really go to any of the functions or interact with Christians much and maybe only went to one service per week because in the end, it's all that they felt like they needed. But instead, we were encouraging them to see that God didn't add you to the body so that you could just get what you need. He also added you so that you could be a factor, a producer, and it's really hard to produce anything, even basic encouragement, when you're not among God's people. Now, I will throw in the needed caveat here that at that time there were people who could not get out, and there are still people who, for various reasons, simply cannot get out of their home, and all they can do is listen to sermons and pray for people, which is its own beautiful form of production. And if that is your case, you have my sympathies and my support. But those without those limitations are limiting themselves and the body's growth and God if they mainly assign consuming as their part in the body. 
I've changed the language a little bit because when I say consumer or producer, producer sounds very official or you need some special gifts to do it. So let's just look at it this way. Are you a consumer among the body, taking the nutrients that you need, expecting other parts to function for your benefit, or are you a contributor, intentionally giving up of yourself because you are a part of something greater, and that greater thing involves real people who need your help? Now, the reason I didn't choose that title is because I really wanted you thinking about what it means to be in the body, but also no one is just a consumer or contributor. We are always both. If you are at home listening to a service, you are consuming. If you are at worship listening to singing, you are also consuming. Now, that one may sound simple, but I think contributor is also the case, and I did talk to our teenagers about this. If someone is at worship, singing, finding out about people, visiting them throughout the week, they are clearly a contributor. Now, you might be tempted to say if they do not go to worship or interact with Christians or purposefully sacrifice for them that they are not contributors— but I actually think that they are. Everyone who has identified with a local group or is considered a Christian by others is a contributor. The question is, are you contributing good things from the great gifts that God has given you, or are you contributing or influencing in a negative way by holding a grudge or being negative or skipping services regularly or failing to be the support to a fellow believer that Christ is yearning for you to be. I was telling some of the boys in our high school class the other day, my son Nick is a lot younger than they are, but he plays Fortnite with them about once a week. No emails about Fortnite, please. I'm sure I'm a terrible dad, but that is the state of things. And I asked these boys who were struggling to come up with a list of what gifts God had given them so that they could be a contributor. I asked them, if my son Nick looks up to you guys, and he does, if he wants to be like you, What should that mean about the words that you say and the things that you do? And they were like, we need to be careful and do what's right. And I said, that's exactly the right answer because you are a contributor. You will naturally consume from those around you and you will very naturally contribute to their behavior. And we pray that it's good things. So if you are a member of the Lord's Church, chances are you often think about the consumption part of it, going to a church you enjoy, learning from the sermons and the like. But are you giving proper attention to your part in the body and what you are contributing to carry out the Lord's will for his people? If you want a little help with that, let me turn your attention to spiritual gifts. Ralph delivered this excellent lesson teaching us that God has given us gifts. Some are naturally built into your character. Some you learn and develop over time. Some reference resources that have been given to you. Have you identified what you personally and uniquely have been given by God, and have you specifically and ongoingly identified how Jesus wants to use them to make the body better? Ralph made five points in that lesson. I'll put them in the show notes, but here they are in pretty quick order. Number one, every member has a function. You have a function. Ephesians 2.10 said, The Lord added you to be his workmanship. No one's role is simply to benefit by the function of everyone else, though each of us needs that from time to time. You have an important function in the body. Have you spent time figuring out what it is? Number two, the purpose of all spiritual gifts is to serve others and glorify God. That sounds pretty obvious, but it reminds me of the old acronym JOY. 
when you focus on Jesus, your head, and others, beginning with fellow believers, and then lastly, on yourself. Looking at things in that sequence brings joy and purpose to your life. I mean, look, you can try Y, O, J in that order, but Yaj just doesn't have that same ring to it. Number three, every gift is important, and every Christian has a gift. I want you to spend some time this week deciding what has God uniquely built in me or provided to me that can help Christians. We're not eliminating the idea of helping people who are not Christians, but let's first focus on fulfilling Christ's promise to care for believers. His point is simple. Every single Christian has a gift and probably multiple gifts that God wants to use. And while it may not look like everyone else, It may not seem important compared to others. It could very well be that the opposite is true. That's what 1 Corinthians 12 teaches. The ones that look most honorable aren't. It's the less known and seen contributors that may be worthy of more honor. It's kind of like my pinky and my liver. I like my pinky. It does a lot of good work. I kind of like both of them, actually. But my liver, which we don't talk a lot about and you've probably never seen, is a rock star. And it basically keeps me alive. Ralph used that example of the liver, so I think that's probably why it came to mind. Number four starts to get very practical. All gifts must be exercised and developed. I want you to ask yourself, what are gifts I have that Christians need? But then you have to commit to exercising them. How can I put this into play? Usually it's one-on-one stuff. Other times it's as simple as being at church with a smile on your face. You could probably easily say, my gift isn't that great and I'll try, but it could be so much better. Not a problem, because your gift and function in the body are like everything else. If you exercise them, they begin to develop. And then lastly, he says, there are greater gifts which should motivate us all. And of course, he's talking about love. If you love Jesus, who is the head of the body, then you will love his body. You will love every single child of God who has made the same sacrifices you have made and has put our hope in things that are great and eternal. As this world gets really, really hard to live in, we ought to be like Hebrews 13.1 and let brotherly love continue. Everybody agrees that Christians need to love each other to help one another get to heaven. I need you to see that loving your brother is exercising your gifts for their benefit. Okay, last thing here, very practical. I got to walk through a lot of this stuff with the high schoolers, and I asked them some questions and wrote down the answers, and I thought you might be interested. What do we share in common? They said, we share a love for and a belief in Jesus. We share spiritual gifts, one of them said, to help the body. We share the hope of heaven, and we share common struggles along the way. Those are the things that bind us together in Christ, our commonalities. And while we may not always think the same or have the same hobbies, he who unites us ought to be stronger than everything else. Then I asked them, how do we share in this fellowship? They said things like, we pray for one another. We encourage and build up each other. We not only attend worship, but we participate and get involved in worship. We talk to one another, even outside of our usual friend groups. We seek to be open and honest and transparent so that we can get the help that we need and give it. I thought that list was amazing, and I'll type that up for you in the show notes as well. We read some passages about gifts, and I asked them, what are some gifts that you have that can be used for the Lord? 
They said really cool stuff like being kind, teaching one another, organizing opportunities to be together, and showing hospitality. I really hope they grow to exercise all of those gifts. But just remember, if you and I are a little bit older than they are, they're watching us. We are contributors to their future. Let's be sure we draw from their list, or maybe the one given in Romans 12, the gifts of serving others, teaching, exhorting, giving of your means, leading, and showing mercy. If those are things that you are capable of doing, God has given you those things so that you can do them. Towards Him and honoring Him, absolutely. Towards the world and loving your neighbor, most definitely. But those are not what those lists were about. They were actually about bringing honor to Jesus by your sacrifice, your commitment, and your ongoing function and value in the body. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. As always, you can go to excelstillmore.life to sign up for the email, order the three-month journal, or just catch up on old episodes. And also, if you are looking for financial advice or future planning, give John Cunningham a call today, 205-913-1720. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus, excel still more.